Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. How many enjoyed week one of Family 28? I'm serious. All right. I, uh, week one started with a lot of fun. We got you energetic. We gave you a little hook to come back, and today we're going to put the nail in the coffin a little bit. So um, be excited for that. Um, two things. One is this. Last week at the end of service, um, I just shared six practical steps that you can do with your family, and those are posted on social media. We sent them out in the weekly update. A lot of you asked for those. And so we sent them your way. If you are still looking for those, um, let somebody know here, and we'll make sure to give that to you. We get a little bit of base up here. Um, hey, and so this has been a fun series for me. Family is one of the greatest things in life. Uh, if you don't know, my wife Heather, she's back with the kids this morning, and uh, her and I, we have five kids. Okay, and uh, somebody asked me this morning, do we have a plan for number six? And uh, we do not. We have a dog. All right, so. We're like good, and if you want to have another one, we will support you and bless you and lay hands on you and rebuke you. So, um, um, you know who you are, Paul. Um, what, uh, what I'd like to do this, though, is uh, I want to add value to your family, okay? And so I want you to have some takeaways from today, from last week. We're going to dig into the Bible a little bit, and then what's a practical thing that you can do with your family? We took six things away, and really last week, what we did was we talked about changing the atmosphere of our family. And we didn't get into the habits. We didn't get into the nitty-gritty. We didn't get into the things that should stay in your family. We didn't get into the things that should go in your family. We just talked about and, and by faith said we believe that the atmosphere in my family can actually change for the better, for the good. And uh, it was a great start to a great series. I'm very excited to jump in today. I have to share with you, though, I, I love my kids, and I shared last week a little bit how if you have pastor's kids, there's this little stigma, and uh, they get this, you know, oh, pastor kids, they're going to do something horrible, awful, and, and my kids make great sermon illustrations all the time, as many of you know, and I want to honor them these four weeks and just talk very highly of them, and because my kids, man, they're, they're awesome, and if you know my kids, they're, they're just an incredible group of people, they're awesome, that they're here to help anybody, they're great, so I just want, I want to pick on my kids in a good way the next few weeks. In fact, last week we sat down, if you've been in my house, we have a little island in our kitchen and we're sitting around stools and we still almost barely fit around the island together, all seven of us. And we just went through and I said, hey, I said, we're talking about your best family in 28 days. That's why it's called Family 28, month of February, have your best family. And I said, how in the world can we do this? And so I asked each one of our kids, starting with Silas, he's my youngest, up to my daughter, who's the oldest, who's 15. And I just said, Tell me, in your words, what's one thing that you really love about our family? You know, and, and Silas is like, oh, our house. You know, okay, well, we can, wherever we're at, we're still family about the house. You know, and it got into JC, got, you know, the answers got a little deeper as they got a little older. And, and then I said, and what's one thing that, and this was a scary question to ask as an adult, as a parent. I said, what's one thing that we can do to improve as a family? And oh boy, did they have ideas. And I wrote them all down mentally. And uh, some of them were really good, though. And, and some of them, I was holding back tears a little bit. Like one of, one of my kids just said, you know, Dad, I need you to speak more words of affirmation. Okay? That's important, you know? They want to know that my daddy thinks the world of me no matter what I do. 
And so today, I want you to know, as we dive into this, some of this might get a little nitty, a little gritty. I want you to know this morning that me as your pastor and, and God as our Father thinks the world of you and wants to speak affirmation over you. None of this is to condemn. The Holy Spirit convicts. He will walk gently with you through this. It's a process. It's not a destination. It's a journey. It's not an end result. And so I just ask that you remain open this morning to what it is that God wants to speak to you, just as a parent has to be open with his kids wants to speak then, okay? So how did it go first week? How did it go? Did you start to believe at least that your family could change within 28 days? Did you believe it? Or was it just another message? Did you believe it? Did you hold on to it? Did you start to pray that your atmosphere in your family would actually change? Let's, let's just recap just for a moment. You can listen to it on the podcast, but we talked last week about that delegated authority. You know, we talked about what's, what's the husband's role in a marriage. You know, the husband's to take care of the wife. What's the wife's role? And we looked at that. We talked about submission, how that's coming under a mission. We talked about the wife's role and how the wife, man, she's over the kids. And then jokingly, we said the kids are over the pets, okay? And, and that was kind of this delegated authority that God gave us. You can learn more about it from last week's message. And then, one of the practical things that I highly encourage you to do is pray for, pray over, and pray on your family. Pray. If you're a parent, lay hands on your kids at night. Pray for them. Hold them. Pray for their spouse. All of that. And I want to say this. For those of you that are single or divorced or you're hurting and you feel like, man, this is great. These are, if you're going, these are the, the, the sermons that I don't want to go to church for because I'm single or I'm hurting. I want you to know that this is exactly why you should be here. Because this family, the Bridge Church, wants to grab hold of you and hug you, man, and just say, you're part of this family. If you're going, I don't have any biological family, we're as close as it gets, man. And we just say, we're here with open arms. Come on, all right? And so you're part here. We want you to know that, okay? We're all sons. We're all daughters. Some of us come from different backgrounds. Your atmosphere, though, and I want to get this, can change right now. And so keep holding on to that belief. Keep holding on to that faith. And then I want you to say this in faith with me. If you know it, say it with me. We said this last week, and I just invite you to say it loud and proud on behalf of you, whether you're single, married, family, son, daughter. Just repeat it if you know it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say it one more time. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's walk that out. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you. Not just about the atmosphere changing, but now we've got habits we have to change as a family. And I want to give you three today. Three things that I want you to eliminate out of your family. To have the best family in 28 days, you've got to take these three things and get them out of your life. Get them out of your family. Your family has no place for these three things that I'm about to bring up. Now, I want to say this. I'm going to bring three things up. Is that all there are in our family that needs to change? No, okay? You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We sang about it. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to your family? Hey, you've got to change this, Mom. Hey, you've got to change this, Dad. Hey, you've got to change this, Son. Hey, you've got to change this, Daughter. Hey, you've got to change this single person. Hey, you've got to change this dating person. Hey, you've got to change this person because you're not living under my blessing right now. Whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, listen to Him before you listen to me, okay? That's, the, that's that delegated authority. I am under the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's over us all. Now, before we get to these three... There are two bonuses that I want to give you. These, I say, are a must-go. There is no option for these to be in any family, nor should they be in any, not only any Christian family, but any family altogether. Number one is this. This, is, this isn't the three. These are two bonuses. These aren't even on the screen. But the first is physical abuse. 
if you come from a family, if there's physical abuse, that has no place in a family. It has got to go. Um, let me give you an example. I, as a pastor, some of you work in the school district here. Some of you work with Volunteers of America. We have a lot of people in the public industry within our church. You in the public are a mandated reporter. A lot of us here are. I think have, we have like 25% of the people that attend here are teachers or people that work in the school district. We are mandated reporters. I, as a pastor, am a mandated reporter. All that means is if somebody comes to me and says, man, I'm, I'm planning to commit suicide or my dad's been beating me or my mom's been beating me, I have to say something to somebody or I can go to jail for that. A lot of us are in that same degree. I would encourage all of you to be mandated reporters for God. But physical abuse, it's got to go. A few years into ministry, I was doing youth and children's work. And I had a, a girl in our youth group, just a sweet girl. She, her parents really didn't go to church much. And she came up to me. Some of you know the story. And she said, Pastor Chris, i got to show you something. I said, sure. And I was like all excited thinking she's going to, you know, I, I asked for peeps at Easter. And I got like a whole office filled. And I was thinking she's bringing me peeps. All right. Don't bring me peeps anymore, by the way. I can't eat them anymore. And they're just, they're gross. And they're really cool if you microwave them off the subject. But here's what happened is, is she came up to me and she's like, Pastor Chris, and she showed me her abdomen. And she said, I want to tell you something that happened to me. And, and she kept going. And before I could say, hey, if you tell me this, i got to tell somebody else. And she had a huge slice from her belly button to her hip, a huge cut. And she said, I said, oh, my gosh, what happened? She said she was standing on the landing. They had a split-level house. And while she was standing right there, her dad was upstairs, and her dad was stone cold drunk and got really upset, took a beer bottle, broke it, and threw it at her. And it cut her from abdomen. And she's sharing this with me. And as she's sharing this with me, I'm praying, like, God, give me the words to say here because I have to report this. And so I told her, I said, i got to be really honest with you. I have to report this. I have to report this to Mitchell County. And she was, she was so mad at me. She was like, I thought I could confide in you. And I thought you were a pastor. You're not supposed to say anything. And I said, I am. But I would rather you be so upset with me and ticked at me and you alive than you happy with me and dead. Okay? And so I said, that, this is what I'm doing. So I called the county. I got a letter from the county. She had a younger sister and a younger brother in the home. And I was told by the county, this letter said, thank you for letting us know it was such an unhealthy situation. We actually removed the, all the children from the home. My heart sank because that's not the way family is supposed to operate. That's as far from family as we can possibly get. And it broke my heart. And she never came back to the youth group until a year later. A year later, she walks into our youth ministry. The name of youth ministry is 24-7. And she walks in and she says, I have to talk to you. I said, yeah, go ahead. And, and she says, I was so mad at you. For a year, no, I haven't seen you. And she said, "But I want you to know how grateful I am for what you did." I said, "Tell me more." She said, "I didn't realize how unhealthy this situation is. And if you're in an abusive situation, you don't realize how unhealthy it is until you're outside of it, outside of that context." And she said to me, "She said, I don't know if my younger brother would have survived if you came in." And she said, "Not that you know this is perfect in any means, but she said we're able to go back with my mom." Because my dad was taken away to jail and she passed away. Awful story. Awful. But physical abuse in any family cannot be Okay, That's, that's the, the first of two bonuses. Um, they're doing great today. They are thriving. They're doing well. God has redeemed an incredible situation. I just want you to know that. The second part is this. And this goes for any Christian. We as Christians cannot, if we call ourselves a Christ follower, we cannot withhold forgiveness. Not withhold forgiveness. It's not God's example, you know. God's not like, 
I'm going to give you the silent treatment for a while, and then I'll forgive you. Some of you do that. You know who you are. Okay? You know who you are. Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait till I feel like forgiving you. Jesus forgave him on his beating him on the cross. He forgave him right away. Okay? Not, and it's not this passive aggressiveness. God's not passive aggressive. Thank, thank you, Jesus. It's got to change. When people ask for forgiveness, give it, and then work towards reconciliation. You won't always reconcile, but we should always be working towards it. And what God does, God's way as the perfect father, unlike me as a dad and you as a dad or you as a mom, God chases us down to forgive us, first of all. And then secondly, he chases us down because he's waiting for us to forgive. That's how he wants us to operate. Give forgiveness freely. Now, let me say a few more things before I dive into the message full full part here. Some of you are new on this faith journey. You're going, I don't even know if I want to be on this faith journey yet. If this is new to some of you, that's awesome. I was there, man, okay? I'm just preaching something that you're going to be preaching in a few years from now yourself, okay? Figure out how to do these things. Figure out how to live in the way that God has intended. If you get into the Word of God, what will happen is this. Things in your life are going to start to change, and they're going to change for the better. Get into the Word. If you're new at this, I want you to catch this. I'm going to share some stuff from Scripture. But when you, as your family, dive in to the Word of God, you can grab hold even more of the grace of God. Okay? And so hold on to that this morning. If you're going, I don't have this figured out. I can't do these habits yet that I talk about. God's grace covers a multitude of sins. Okay? So hold on to His grace. Know that you don't have to have it perfect. Know that the Vincent household, we don't have it perfect. Okay, Even some of this that I'm preaching this morning, I've messed on messed up on some of this within the last two hours, okay? So, preaching to myself this morning. You've got to say this, though, all of us, that you will be aggressive to change whatever it is in your home. you got to say, I'm done with this. I'm sick of this. And then read the Word. And if the Word speaks to you and convicts you, then let it go, okay? Say, I'm going to get this out of my family in the name of Jesus. I'm done with whatever. You fill in the blank. And so pray that you are aggressive to go after those things that need to go. The last week atmosphere, today habits. Let's pray. God, you are welcome in this place this morning. I pray that these three habits that we're about to talk about, Lord, we would learn to control and get rid of our family. They have no place there according to your scripture, according to your word of God. And I pray today that we would draw closer onto you as you reveal your scripture unto us. God, I thank you for your grace. Lord, your grace is giving us what we don't deserve. And that's even to have a relationship with you because of your son, Jesus, who died on that cross 2,000 years ago. And we want to give you the praise this morning. Have your way in our service this morning. If you agree with me, say amen. Amen. All right. Last thing before I jump in, I want to talk to the singles. I want to talk to the singles. Even if you're single, you had a mom, or you had a dad, or you had both, or you had a garden, you had somebody that took care of you, or you even had a foster parent that said, I'm going to take you in for a while. Maybe you didn't like them. Maybe you didn't go that well. Um, but you had somebody that was family to you. Us, again, as a church, we want to be family to you as well. So to the singles, just for a moment. I was at a conference two years ago, and one of the speakers was Joyce Meyer. Some of you have heard her before. And it was a smaller group, and she actually opened it up for question and answers with pastors. And one of the pastors next to me asked her a question and, and said, I know you itinerate, you travel a ton. How do you keep your relationship with God? How do you how do you do it? And do you ever miss your family? Do you ever get lonely? And Joyce Meyer said when she started her ministry, 
She hated it because she was always in these hotels all by herself all the time, and she missed her, her husband and missed her kids, and she, she just she didn't like it. And finally, I mean, she's a little older. She's much more wise in her years than I am, and she learned along the way to look at it as rather than she has to go to a conference to speak, she gets to go to a conference and speak. And she changed the whole demeanor, her whole attitude. And one of the things that she looked at was she said, you know what, and this is what I want. Though Joyce Meyer is not single, some of you here are. And I want to give you her example of what she told me. She said when she is within a hotel room by herself, she says the most intimate relationship she has is with Christ. She says right there, she, without any other worry, can just spend that time with Jesus. She says sometimes she doesn't turn on TV. She just spends time with Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're single, yes, be a part of people in your life. But know that before you get married and before you have a spouse and before you have children, Right now is like the key time in your life to say, hey, I want to just connect with Jesus because Jesus wants to connect with me. Here we go. Number one, these are the three things you got to get rid of. Number one, you've got to eliminate selfishness. The key to peace and harmony is found in unconditional love, and it's us helping each other. Okay, so selfishness in any family today, this month, for your family, I encourage you and I challenge you, this is the first habit that I want you to get rid of. Okay, just get it out of your house. You're going, I have kids. It's why we're giving you the whole 28 days, okay? 28 days. All right. Ephesians 5.21. We read some of Ephesians last week. Paul talks about this. He says, submit. Remember, that's coming underneath another mission, submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. Talking to family. Okay, so we're to put ourselves under someone else. Even us as husbands and fathers are to do that. Romans 12.10, Paul also writes, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another. What? Above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. I heard a pastor once, he spoke, and, and they talked about marriage, and they said, well, marriage, what is marriage? You got the husband is 50%, and, and the, the wife is 50%, and that gives a good marriage. And the pastor's like, no, you got it all wrong. He said, a marriage is not 50-50. A marriage is 100-100. You are in a hundred percent, a hundred percent dedicated to that family unit. And so let me ask you this. How many would say today, our generation, the generation you're part of today, would you say is more selfish than the previous generation? I would say mine is. I don't know if you'd agree with me. But to thrive, we have to go from selfish to selfless. Okay? So I challenge you, outserve others. They're your family. Hey, where are we going to outserve? Now, let's face it. Some of you have children. I do too. My youngest now is seven. Some of you are still in the diaper days. Good luck. Godspeed. But two year olds are selfish. Okay? True. Two year olds, because they haven't had the cognitive ability to realize what's not selfish. Our job as parents to teach them. And so, let me give you a practical tip here. Okay, if you have like a cookie and, you know, that can be split and it can be shared. Now, you can't do that if you have like an iPad, you know, between the kids. Here, now share it. No, you have to learn to take turns. One of the things, practical tip for you this morning, take away what we've done in our family is this. With our kids, we give them an option. If there's like one cookie left in the pantry and they want dessert together, we say, that's fine. You guys can split it. One of you gets to break it. The other one gets to choose a chapter. Works wonders. Works wonders. Okay? 
Studies say that actually after the age of two, at age three, it's the first realization that you can share. If you're single, kill selfishness by spending that intimate time with Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Galatians 5.13, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, what? Serve one another humbly in love. Dear parent, let me talk to you just for a moment. Parents, it's our job to break selfishness in our kids one moment at a time. It's those hands-on moments that really matter. Okay? Get out and serve together. You heard me last week. Your children have a greater chance of serving Christ in faith if they see you serving. Again, parents, how many of you have had kids that have had temper Again, how many of you had kids? Same thing. You've seen that parent, right, who has the kid having the temper tantrum? You know, hopefully we pray for them. We have their back. It's happened to all of us. Okay? What do you do during that time? Well, let me give you some practical tips here. Never give in. Don't give in. Oh, it's a temper tantrum. Little Johnny, you're having a temper tantrum. I know you really want that Xbox game, but we can't have it because it's $100. And, and I'll tell you what, when we get home, I'll give you a cookie. You just compromised. You lose. Game over. Bang. You lost. Your job won because they just manipulated you. Sir. Do not give in. They're watching you. They're studying you. They want structure. They want consistency. They want to know mom and dad got my back. Even when it doesn't make sense. They're waiting. They're looking on you going, hey, ain't no temper tantrum with my dad or my mom. That's not how it works. But I know that my mom and dad love me. And maybe I can save for that Xbox game. You know what happens when our kids have temper tantrums? Your kids have temper tantrums out in public? Guess what happens? All eyes are on you. Everybody's watching you. They're going, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? The moment you give in to that child, you know what happens? Those other parents that are watching you are like, oh, oh. They, they like go around a corner and they just watch because they know I'll help them break loose. You know, they're like, it's going to go on. I want to see. But then if you like say, you pick up the child and say, we're going to remove you from the situation. You know what that other parent does that's watching and says, compromise and you lose. So okay? Be selfless. Even as a parent, it's so easy because that temper tantrum, it's really easy to say, just stop, here's a cookie, I'm good. Number two is this. Get rid of unwholesome thoughts. Number one, get rid of unselfishness. Get rid of selfishness. Number two, get rid of unwholesome talk. Now, we don't even need this one, right? We're in a church. None of us ever talk unwholesomely. Let's be real. What is God speaking to you? Get rid of What's a habit that you need to break? Maybe you're going, well, that's not biblical. The Bible doesn't talk about cursing or swearing or this or that. But it does quite a few times, actually. And it says that what comes out of our mouth is really what's in our heart in the first place. And so what's in there? Okay, so here's what Paul says in Ephesians 4.29. He says, do not let un any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. There it is. But only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now let me say this. Not only words that can be unwholesome. Maybe you, you got the vocabulary down, but it can also be your tongue. You have a tone of good words that's still on hold. I, I had uh, a few years ago, I, I'm not perfect here, okay? This is one that I need to work on. 
Because when I get mad, man, oh, I can get mad. And uh, a few years ago, some of you had a day like this where it's just like nothing's going right. It's like, you know, Murphy's Law just showed up at your house and it's just happening all the time. We were up at a family cabin up in Detroit Lakes area. And I, you know, asked my kids to get ready. And Heather and I, we were upset. And we finally, like, let's just get in the car. Let's go. I'm just tired. Let's go home. I just want to go home. And so we get in the, you know, we get in the van and, and we're driving down the road. And you know how, like, when it rains, it, it pours? It literally started pouring, okay? And, and we had a, blade on the front of a windshield washer blade that was like broken of course this seems to be the case right so you get in you're arguing kids are yelling in the back i know this happens to none of you just us pastors and and you know we stop at a gas station and i was about to blow i was about to say things that you know should not even be said by anybody and i said to heather i said and she was like here and so we get outside and we start talking, and the reason I did that, because I knew what I was about to say was not Christ-like. And I did not want my kids hearing what I was about to say. Nor should I have been saying it at all. It's something that we've got to work on. If your kids start refereeing you, it's time to be done. Okay? All right? Now, you've got tone, you've got the words, and there's a third thing here. Sarcasm. Let's do a great Christian now. Sarcasm can actually be very dangerous. It actually means, the word sarcasm actually means to strip the flesh off. Okay? Kids don't understand sarcasm. I learned that as an early age. I would joke with my kids, you know. I'd be like, oh, no, 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 the boogeyman's not real, you know. Oh, no, the boogeyman, yeah, he's in your bed, you know. And my kid looked at me like, Dad, what? I'm like, you know, you saw that Veggie Tales, you're not afraid of the dark. Come on, you're good. He's, Looking at me, and, and I realized at a young age, you know, sarcasm just does not work. Okay, it doesn't. Kids don't understand it. In fact, there was actually a Harvard study done here two years ago, and the Harvard study said this: it says words can actually cause more damage than physical or sexual abuse. Words. So we have a thing, you know, that I like to do with our staff, and we call it no zingers. We say we're not going to put down anybody. We're going to have an affirming atmosphere. You know what happens when you pray in a affirming atmosphere within your family? That's what one of my kids told me they wanted. You know? She didn't know that I was speaking on this this week. You as a parent are called to call your kids to life. You're called to do that. That's your job as a parent. Okay? Call them to life. Speak affirmingly over them. If you're going, oh, I'm not a parent, but I'm a part of this church. If you're an usher, if you're a greeter, if you help with kids, if you're on the worship team, if you're one of the pastors, if you know, wherever you serve within the church, I know I missed a few, wherever you're here, it's your job to speak life over those kids. It's our mission at the church to be life-giving. We want to counterbalance all the negativity that happens outside in the real world. That's what we want. There's actually a hospital in Massachusetts called General Hospital. you got to love that. In, in 2000, real, not, no joke, you can Google it. They said simply saying words like peace, love, Joy, simply saying those, if you're familiar with those words, like fruits of the Spirit, just saying those actually physically releases endorphins in your body. That's how powerful affirming words are. Not only are you building up your children and others that you're pouring your life into, the moment you speak these things, it's building up you. So why do we not want to speak these things all the time? Speak affirming words. 
Get rid of any unwholesome talk. Get rid of selfishness. Number three, here we go, last one. Get rid of dishonor and exasperation. What, what is dishonor? What's exasperation? Dishonor from a kid's perspective. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Exasperation, all that means is you're provoking your children to anger. You're doing something to tick them off. None of us have ever done that, right? Parents, come on, sometimes I like to do it, all right? And I shouldn't. It's biblical, all right? And they're talking about from the parents' side. So Ephesians, we're going to read just four verses here that Paul talks about right after we talked about wives submitting to your husbands, husbands, what your role is to love your wife as, as Christ loved the church. We looked at that last week, and Paul continues to go on. you got to remember, when Ephesians was first written, this was a letter that Paul wrote in its entirety. There was not chapter, there was not verse when he first wrote that. Those were put in later, so it was easy for us to find. And so this is a continuation of what we looked at last week. Here we go. Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. You want to enjoy long life? Obey your mom and dad, so that it may go well with you. Fathers, verse 4, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Here's what Paul's doing. Let me give you just a little biblical context, okay? Paul is writing in an incredible context that's way different than anything that you or I know. This is in a Roman culture. Roman culture did not have family units. In fact, the fathers had many, 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 many partners. They would have parties, those kind that start with the letter O, okay? Keeping it G this morning. And they would have these parties all the time in this Roman context. And what would happen is with all these different people, they would have so many different children that what would happen is the Romans, they would actually take these kids. The father was the respected household figure. They would take whatever child they had with, whichever woman, and they would bring the child and they would lay the child at the father's feet. And the father would do one of two things. Either one, the father would swoop down, he'd pick up the child, and that child knew the father loved him, and the child would go home with the father. If that didn't happen, the child was left for dead. And it happened all the time. In fact, those children... Whether they were left for dead, they were either left for dead or they were brought into the Colosseum, the famous Colosseum that you've seen, and they were placed there for trade, for business, for sale. Paul's words here are extraordinarily countercultural to the Roman Empire that we read about within the Bible. Totally different. Paul's saying, God's got a whole different plan for your family. Children are not in any as was demonstrated in Rome. The immorality during this time was incredible. But how many know that God's way is different even the way our culture defines it? The kids. Let me talk to the kids for a moment. Kids. I know a lot of our kids are back um, in K through fifth preschool. If you're a kid in here, why don't you listen to me? Why don't you listen? Obey your parents until you're out of the home. Listen, obey them. I don't want to. Okay, move out. But what you do is you bring honor to your life. You bring honor to your parents. Not only by obeying them, but by living the life that they live. As parents, developing young kids. Parents, we are not bringing We bring them anger in our culture much differently than we did in the Roman culture. I don't think any of you are going, hey, I'm dropping off my kid. You know, the Coliseum. You know, that's not happening in our culture. So how do we exasperate our children today? 
you see that one way is this by not going on this is different than being washed away by the time okay going I didn't have a cell phone until I was out of college. Okay? Cell phones, man, they come up. And I'm going, how do, how do we do this? For us, we decided that my children would have a cell phone when they entered ninth grade. If they wanted a cell phone earlier than that, they had to make a case for it. And uh, so far, they haven't. Needed. But in ninth grade, a lot of the teachers within the school asked the kids to use their phones you know, to do homework or to punch in calculations or to Google things. And I thought at that time, we're going to do that. So JC, my, my ninth grader, has one. Isaac, who's my seventh grader, he, he, did, he does not have one yet. Oh, with the times. The other one is we over-control kids. Your goal as a parent should be to help your kids have a responsive heart. Okay? Do you want them living with you forever? Okay. If, if you do, then don't allow them to have a responsive heart. Now, I'm a, I'm a huge public school fan. Some of you homeschool kids, some of you private school kids, that, you have to do what God's telling you to do. We're huge public school advocates, my family. And one of the things with that is, you know, they come off the bus in kindergarten and they'll share with me very colorful languages that, you know, I didn't know existed that young in that age. But it gives me a chance to talk through with them and say, hey, this is what, you know, that, that four-letter word that rhymes with truck means, okay? And, and we talk it out, and we share it. Now, do I, does that mean, well, now they just stay with me, I'm not going to put them back on the bus? No, it says, now I want you to stick up for your beliefs. So I'm not, not going to look at it. I'm not going to talk about that. In fact, when JC was young, when she was in kindergarten, um, she was in the Minnetonka School District, lived in Eden Prairie at the time, and she came home with a crossword puzzle. And on the crossword puzzle, it was something about the Buddhist God and all of this. And and as a Christian believer, I thought, I really don't want her to fill this out. And I, I said to her, I said, you know, we believe in Christ, that Christ has come, that he saves us from our sins. What do you want to do? Kindergarten. Okay, she's five years old at the time. JC was now 15. This is what she did. She walked up to me with that, that little crossword puzzle they were, supposed, they were supposed to do. She crumpled it up in front of me. And she went and she threw it away in the garbage can. And she said, Dad, would you print me out one to bring? So I printed her out one about Jesus Christ. And I said, you bring this to your teacher and have her call me if you have any issue. Never did. I said, if you're going to talk about Buddha, I'm fine with that. But you better talk about Jesus. I have a little bend there. I guess I like Jesus. The other way we exasperate our children is by never encouraging them. Say good things, build them up, talk about that. Your words as a parent are so powerful. Oh, last two here. Hostile discipline or being so stern. That never works. Don't ever have hostile discipline. It doesn't work. Being so stern. You know, make sure you as a married couple, you got each other's back on that. Help each other. The last one is this. And I call this passive, empty directives. You know what I mean? You better not, or I will. Come on, parents. How many of us have said that? You better not, or I'm... Mm. You better not. I'm going to do this. And then we don't follow through. What are we teaching our kids when we do that? Nothing. We're not teaching them. And so, here's one thing we say in our house. You will never hear my children say, I promise, fill in the blank. My kids won't say that. In our house, that's one of our rules. It doesn't have to be in yours. 
But we read in this really cool book a long time ago by this really cool dude that I really respect a lot, and I really, really think he's awesome. He said, let your yes be your yes, and your no be your no. And I thought, you know, this guy's filled with wisdom, and I think I'm going to listen to him. And so we decided in our house that what you say is what you mean, and what you mean is what you say. Perfect. Your yes is your yes, your no is your no. That's one of our directives in our house. Our follow-through, or no follow-through, will shape our children. How do you want them shaped? Let me close with this. We're going to sing one last song together. Can I, be, can I, just, I just want to be very real with you for a second. Right now. One of the scariest things that I do is get up here and share a message with you as if I have all the answers. I don't. I don't. Not in parents. Okay? I read as many things as I can to get my hands on because I don't have to figure it out. But I'm very honest with you. Sometimes I feel like I, I blow it at the dead. Sometimes I feel like I, I blow it for my kids. You might say, oh, the Vince, they got it all together. Best friend talking about greatest kids are here. Great kids. Yeah, doesn't mean dad doesn't blow it from time to time. I do. I really do. So what do you do in those moments? What do you do? Do you, do you ignore it? Here's what I do. Here's what I would challenge you to do. I go to God first. I say, God, I blew it as a father to my kids. I, I, rose, I raised my boys. I did what the pastor said I have so I should get out. What, you know, whatever it might be. I said, God, I need you to forgive me. Once God forgives, because what? When does He forgive? Then I go. Whether it's my daughter, whether it's my son. This week it was my daughter. You know, I raised my voice at her. We got in a little tippy. And I went to her and I said, Casey, I want you to know that I asked God to forgive me first. My will you please? She's like, yeah, she threw her arms down. She's like, you didn't say sorry. I realize you're going to blow it as a parent. God's grace covers that. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand your feet? God, we're so grateful for our families, how you love us, how you have given your life for every single one of ours. And God, I pray this morning that any of these habits that we still have in our families that we break from this day next Sunday. This week, when we take this week, just as we focus on atmosphere and belief by faith that it can change, that this week we would focus by faith that we can change habits within our family. Lord, give us the strength to see that through. We honor you and we love you. Before I dismiss, I just want to give you opportunity this morning. You say, you know what? It's all great. I want to be a better parent, but I don't even know where to start. The first place to start, no matter where you're at in life, is by saying this prayer meaning Jesus I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm saved by your grace. Forgive me for everything that I've done. Accept me for who I am as I follow you all the days of my life. I wish you believe This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.